Well, as we make our way through the Gospel of Mark, um, and as uh, many of us are making our way through uh, Scripture in a year, uh, we recognize uh, these ongoing themes that keep um, coming back up to the surface, being reintroduced to us. And we uh, see that in our daily readings. We'll see that again here this morning. Uh, our focus this morning is on Jesus as King, as we've been singing about, and um, how Scripture has been painting a picture already of of a King that would come and rule in such a way that uh, He would be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The greeting that we had this morning from Revelation um, recognizes Jesus as ruler of the kings on earth. And in our passage this morning, we're going to look at where uh, Jesus transitions in His ministry from the way he used to uh, interact with the people to now in a new way as he uh, sets his uh, focus intently on coming into Jerusalem and and uh, carrying on the, the mission for which he was sent. So we're going to do that today as we look at the first 11 verses of uh, Mark chapter 11. And with the word ready to be revealed, would you pause with me in a moment of prayer? Father, we, we recognize and acknowledge once again this morning that what we are about to receive are life-giving words. You have caused them to be written down so that the first generation of people uh, in the days of Jesus would hear these words, that they would be reminded of the events of the day and, and begin to learn and grow in their understanding of of who Jesus is, and we're here to do that again ourselves because these words have been preserved for us and they have been kept so that we could read them and meditate on them and, and continue to understand them and grow in our faith as well. And so Holy Spirit, as you have uh, inspired the words to be written down and preserved, we pray that you would illumine our hearts and minds as we read these words. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mark 11 at verse 1. When they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage at Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those, some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. 
so far our reading of Scripture today, and we pray for God's wisdom in that as we meditate on it. As I said, this is a time where the ministry of Jesus is, is taking a, a bit of a turn. Uh, there has been this progression all along of, of Jesus' ministry and how he interacts with people and how he addresses them and, and what's to be said uh, in all of those circumstances and now with uh, his mind set so intently on uh, what lies before him as he enters into Jerusalem now getting closer uh, during uh, the week of Passover, which will have uh, great significance in his life and the life of uh, the people of uh, Jerusalem there and uh, the Jews. Uh, this, is, this is Jesus' most in, uh, intense mission right now, and it's, it's beginning to uh, be revealed why he's here. Uh, all along, though, um, Jesus hadn't uh, let anybody tell who he was, but now it's, it's time to be known. It's, it's time for um, no longer silencing people, but allowing them to speak. We remember going through the early chapters of, of Mark when, when Jesus especially would cast out demons. And the demons, as he would encounter them, would, would try to uh, exclaim who Jesus was, not in a way to offer praise by any means, but they were there to try to stir up trouble for Jesus. And Jesus repeatedly would say to the demons, be silent. And they were not to be able to speak. And Jesus would control who got to say what. And he had complete authority over the demons there. Even when he healed the, the leper, he said, make sure you go and tell no one what has happened. And that maybe strikes us as odd. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you want people to know what happened to you? And how do you keep that silent? But, but all along in those early uh, adventures of Jesus and his disciples, there are um, this, this repeated command not to tell. It's not because Jesus didn't want to be known. Far from it. I mean, uh, we are to make him known. That is... That is why he came, so that people would know that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. But the timing had to be right, and it had to be under his control and his authority. The disciples were given special privilege into the ministry and insight of Jesus. They were given uh, extra teaching to know who he was. Uh, Peter was given extra insight as to the very a person of Jesus, that he is the Son of the Most High God. and The disciples have this special insight while the rest of the, the crowd around Jesus was always uh, kind of left at arm's length. They weren't ready to know exactly who he is yet. But that's changing now. Now it's the time to be known. Now it's time to make an entrance. And this this time... Jesus, instead of telling people to be silent, he goes out and orchestrates his own pomp and circumstance coming into the city here. There is, as Ecclesiastes says, a time for everything. A time to speak. And a time to be silent. And now is the time where Jesus is ordaining it that it's no longer time to be silent. Now it's the time to speak. And this would continue to uh, paint the picture that has been there throughout all of Scripture already. 
this ongoing revelation of God to his people about the eternal plan that he has for us. And it goes way back into things that we've already have been reading uh, throughout the, our, our, our reading through Scripture this year. Uh, you get that, that picture painted by the prophets of, of the king riding into uh, the city triumphantly from Zechariah 9, 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you! Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah predicted that this day was about to happen and it was under Jesus' authority to say, now is the time. Jesus gives the go-ahead to make this known. It even goes back into the days of the kings. Second uh, Kings 9.13 says, uh, Then in haste, as, as Jehu was becoming king, then in haste, every man of them took his garment and put it under him. And on the bare steps, and they, they blew the trumpet and they proclaimed, Jehu is king. And that same type of thing is, is happening here where... Not Jehu, but Jesus is riding in. And the announcement will be made. And Scripture will be fulfilled. And now is the time. Everything happens under the sovereign control of Jesus. Uh, he, he had command over the wind and the waves. He had command over the evil spirits. He had command over, over bread and fish. He, he exercises His authority over, over people and nature. He, he, he's the one that has absolute authority over, over the days of the week and, and what can be done on the Sabbath and what's not to be done and how we are to understand what Scripture has said. Jesus is the one who gives clarity on that. He's the one that exercises authority and He's the one that says now it's time to move into Jerusalem. It's time to be known. As in everything that we've been reading, uh, not only in Mark, but all along the way here in Scripture, uh, there are um, all the different parts that people play. Everybody that uh, uh, is around Jesus has some sort of role in that, whether they acknowledge Him or reject Him, whether they listen to Him or, or stop up their ears, whether they follow Him or stand still. Everybody has a a part that they play. And here in our story too, we see that Jesus uh, uses uh, everything around him to help orchestrate this, this coming into the city. The disciples are sent. The disciples have been sent out before. The disciples uh, have been uh, sent to go uh, try out their hand at um, bringing the good news and to cast out demons and to heal the sick and now Jesus is sending them, two of them out again to, to go in and search for this colt, this young donkey that no one has ever ridden on, in keeping with what Scripture has always said, that the king's, the king's donkey no one rides on except for him alone. So this, this too is that fulfillment of that where they find this young colt no one's ever sat on it before. No one's ever ridden it. This would be the king's donkey. 
And so the disciples are sent out to, to go and find that, and they, they find the, the owner of the, the donkey, they, they find the owner of the colt, and the owner plays a part in that. He has to take at face value, and we don't get much insight into some of these characters. But there's the owner of the colt whose who's, uh, animal is about to be taken from him, and he has to decide, is he going to do that or not? Is he going to accept the words that Jesus said to go tell the people? Would he, would he agree with that? Yeah, the, the Lord has need of it. Would they understand who he is, why he has need of it? Do they understand the significance in that? We don't know who the owner is. We don't know if he's a follower. We don't know if he is uh, sympathetic to what's going to happen. If he's a rich man or a poor man, we don't know those things, but he plays a part in it as well because it will be his colt that Jesus will have as his kingly donkey. And not that the donkey is a person, but the donkey plays a part too. And again, you have uh, all, of, all of creation being a part of this. Not only do the people involved have a, a part in it, but um, even the creatures that God created play a part in his eternal plan. Now you remember the talking donkey from the story of Balaam that we've read already in the past. Now we have another donkey who plays a very a significant role as well. This would be the mount for the king. Now we don't put much stock in um, how the donkey reacts or anything like that, but God uses his own creation in in bringing about his, his plan. You have the people that are all around. Uh, there's this uh, annual procession going into Jerusalem and there's, there's people all around and they're recognizing um, that this is, this is that, that week that we get to celebrate. There's the, there's the time of the Passover and uh, people are making their way and when Jesus healed the, uh, the blind man from last week, um, he joins them along the way. And so you have all these people lining the way um, that are playing a part in what's about to take place. In Luke's account, uh, we, we recognize that uh, just being there was going to be a, a significant thing. And, and in Luke's account of this story, they said the Pharisees were, were rebuking the people who were shouting out. And Jesus reminded them, um, if, if the people that are lining the way if they don't shout out, then the rocks will. Uh, when Jesus is coming in to be announced as the king, whether people will recognize that or not, somebody, something is going to cry out. It's just going to happen. It, it can't help but happen. And so the people there play that part in it because, well, that's, that's their part. That's, that's what God has given them to do. But, but we'll find out too, they really don't understand, I don't think. They don't understand all that they're doing. They're, they're coming in with, with the shouts of Hosanna and praise and everything else. But if you look at some of this and you look at some of the history of, of what would happen, I, it could be that maybe uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord was maybe just a shout out so we could receive that blessing. Not necessarily uh, giving praise and blessing to God, but... We're here lining the way because we want to be blessed. And so maybe it's uh, a mixture of people there that 
Some are there to lift up their voices and praise and maybe they begin to catch a little bit of a glimpse of, of what's about to happen. And is, is this the one? Is this the coming Messiah? The one that the blind leper or the, the blind beggar was uh, announcing last week? Save me, son of David. All of his language talking about uh, this messianic king that would come and save his people. Are some of these people in the crowd, are they wondering if this is the Jesus that's going to save them? Or are they there just because typically when you follow the crowds, uh, something good happens. Maybe we're here and maybe we'll just get a blessing out of all this. Maybe they're there uh, for selfish reasons. And we don't know except for um, human nature, there are people there that are maybe looking to get something out of it. And those that are there to uh, see what God is about to do and be eyewitnesses of this grand entrance into the King of Kings. And they're, they're still wrestling with that idea and they, they don't understand that yet. Things in their day, much like ours, are so politically charged that they're looking for this political leader that's going to come in and, and rescue them. So when they shout out with shouts of Hosanna, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, there's a very politically motivated uh, shout behind all of that. And there's need for that. But it's not greatly understood yet. Jesus makes His way. He, He... switches the scene from, from not being known to now being known, and he, he, he starts to put in all the, the characters and the players into the scene there, and many of them have very little understanding of what that might be. Maybe there's a little bit more insight uh, given as time goes along, but like we said, does the owner of the donkey know what's going on? Do, do the disciples even get it yet because they're, they're constantly falling into the same trap of this political mindset, this earthly kingdom, and they don't quite get it either. The people around Jesus and all those uh, with the procession are, are this mixed group of people. And as Jesus does that, uh, and, and in true fashion to Mark's gospel account, uh, he says... Uh, the first stop Jesus makes is the temple. And that's it's really about all it says. It, it was late, so he went, he went back with his disciples. In, in that uh, Reader's Digest condensed version, the only thing we get here in this account is that Jesus stops at the temple. Now there's more, more coming in the stories ahead about... Jesus' interaction with the temple, but, but it really um, brings that re-emerging temple theme back to the surface again. As we've, as we've been reading through the, the kings and the chronicles and now we're moving into the prophets and seeing how the prophets interact with the kings, we see that whole kingly idea coming in and you have the, the whole crowd shouting about the, the son of King David coming in. You have that... that King story that reemerges uh, after a long period of of nobody ruling over the people of Israel, but their oppressors. 
And now you have the reemergence of the temple theme again. If you remember, um, that's in many ways the way Scripture starts. When God created everything, He created a place for Him to dwell and rule and reign. The psalmist would say, Heaven is His throne room and earth is His footstool. It's the temple setting. And that's what that's like the first picture we get, and it kind of gets lost in some of the other things, and we get so bogged down with how many days and how many hours and what order of things happen and how can you have plants grow without, and we miss the fact that, that the picture painted at the beginning of Scripture is one of a kingdom that God will rule and reign over, and He's just created a temple to dwell in where He's with His people in this holy space where everything is very holy until sin enters in and they have to be removed from that holy place. And so you see that temple, temple theme going throughout Scripture and you see the, the tabernacle being constructed for the people that wandered through the wilderness and that, that space where they would meet with God, where the Word of God is proclaimed and where they would meet with God and mercy is given and sins are forgiven, sacrifices are made. And you, you, you get this sense that... Um, the temple has a very, very significant part in the lives of the people. When Jesus was born, when you go to Luke's account, uh, after, the, after the shepherds and the, and the wise men and everything, Jesus is presented at the temple as every firstborn male would be for the people of Israel. Present your firstborn son and offer him to the Lord. And we see those stories in Scripture where that happens. And now Jesus being that firstborn to Mary, they, they present Jesus at the temple. First thing in Jesus' life is entrance into the temple. When they, when they go on from there and the story continues in Luke, uh, the next thing we read about Jesus is what? Twelve years old and he's at the temple. Right where he should be. Now nobody then knew that either. But the people were just amazed at how knowledgeable Jesus was at 12 years old. But this is his father's house. This is what he's come to paint a, a, a new and growing and more complete picture of. And at 12 years old, he's, he enters into the temple and he amazes people. And we've been reading that in Mark when he goes and he teaches in the temple. The people are amazed again at his, at his teaching. He teaches like one that has authority. And now as Jesus comes in and sets his focus intently on what he needs to do, first stop, temple. It brings back that, that temple idea that something's about to happen, something is going to uh, continue here. But it's just a first glance. Mark doesn't give any indication as to what the reason for the stop is. He just makes note of it but it perfectly fits in with the, the mission and the picture, the character of Jesus. Even when you get to the end of, end of the book and you're reading of, of, of that which we look forward to, uh, when, when all is said and done, when the, when the kingdom is completely in God's uh, perfect ruling reign and all evil has been banished, 
And now we live forever in peace and glory with Him for those that have accepted Jesus as their Savior. John, the disciple of Jesus, paints a picture and he says, I I saw no temple in the city. You you look at the beginning of the book and if you understand that, the way we've seen that, where a temple is being um, given a, a, a maybe a blurred picture of there in the creation story and you see that coming throughout and you get to the other end of the book and John says, I saw no temple there because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. And so Jesus' first stop there at the temple has a huge significance for Him and for us. And even while we wait for Jesus coming again, we recognize we are the temple. It isn't this place that we meet in. We are the temple of God. We are the the place where He dwells with us. But at the end, when when all things are, are put the way they are meant to be, the way God has wanted to have it established from from before the dawn of creation, that He would dwell together with His people and we would worship Him and and work with Him and serve Him in His kingdom, that day is coming and it will be a time where the temple has uh, great new significance for us. So Jesus now enters in and He... He changes what he's doing. It's, it's time to be known. It's, it's time to get the, the players all together so they can do their part. It's time to show them what God with us really means, that whole uh, temple experience. And we just get a little taste. And now we'll see a, a new focus for Jesus not so much trying to stay hidden in the shadows because it's too early and too much upheaval would happen. Now it's time to be made known. Now is the time of the king's arrival and things are going to change. And for you and I, we live, we live 2,000 years plus on the other side of that whole event. And the time is still now for us to make sure that the king is known. It's no longer the time to be silent. We're not, we're not told not to speak His name. The only ones that tell us not to speak His name now are those that oppose Him. We have that same role now that we would play uh, expecting the King to come back, that we would, we would announce that the King is coming back again. We get to shout out and cry out that Jesus saves And that the king is going to take his rightful place on the throne and and how people respond to that will make all the difference in their lives. Now is the time for us to play a part in that kingdom work where the king will rule and reign and he'll use his servants to do what he wants to have accomplished. And praise God, we were able to do that this past week. And we're going to be given more opportunity to serve in Jesus' name. We're we're going to be given the opportunity to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the question is, when we move forward day by day, every one of us and and us together collectively, is how are we going to respond to what He would call us to do when He has a part for us to play? We'll remember that He is the ruling King 
He is the one who will be the temple and everything that he says is our privilege to do. There will be those people like many in the crowd here that don't understand. They don't get it yet. Maybe they associate themselves with Jesus because of maybe something they can get from him. We still have that today. People try to gather around this religious group of God's people because we know they're supposed to be givers. And so maybe that will be people that we encounter along the way. People that don't understand yet. People that have this mixed up idea of what the rule and reign of Jesus is. Maybe, maybe they'll think too like they did back in this day that Jesus is going to change the political atmosphere of this place and things will be right and we'll have this utopia type of existence here on earth. And then everything will be okay. Once we can get rid of all the political tension and the, and the hatred among brothers and sisters, then it will be okay, except for Scripture paints a different picture than that. The heart and condition of man, especially when it's not ever been redeemed, continues to decline. And we see evidence of that, we hear evidence of that in the news every day where the, the brokenness of sinful men and women continue to uh, expose them tru- their, true, their true hearts. And so we have a mission to let people know that Jesus is coming to save. That Jesus is the king that's going to rule and it's, it's far different than what you might expect. And, and yes, you may even have to go through trials and tribulation on the way to do that. But the king will always make sure that you are equipped to go through whatever you need to go through. So this, this story here today helps to pull pictures together from, from one, book, one end of the book to the other. And now for us as, as people that live uh, in the time where we're expecting Jesus to come and, and we, we, we offer up that prayer, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord, as we look at our world around us, what part will you play? Do you understand him more through all of this? Do you, do you begin to see how he's such a mighty God, he's such a good Savior, He's a good shepherd that would lay his life down for his sheep and did. We have the opportunity each day to make known to the world that the king is here and the king is coming. And one day we'll we'll line the streets too as Jesus comes in and takes his place on the throne and we all get to be uh, there in that uh awesome presence of our King and give our shouts of Hosanna. It's the day waiting for us yet. And until then, we will make known of the King's arrival and shout our praises all along the way as well. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, we are so grateful for Uh, your intense focus on what you were sent to do. Never wavered. Always had everything under your control. Always allowing those close to you to play that part, to be exposed to the, 
the kingdom that you were revealing to them. And so we too, as we continue to grow in our understanding of Scripture, we pray that uh, our, our knowledge of the stories would translate into uh, a deeper love for you. That our, our, our understanding of these stories from 2,000 years ago would help motivate us to spread the good news. Uh, now is not the time to be silent. And so, Father, help us to be witnesses in the world today in all the different ways that you would place us, in the, in the seemingly uh, obscure ways where maybe nobody sees what we're doing, but you've called us to do it anyway. Maybe it's ways where we can vocally lift up our voices and speak of the good news and the, the evidence of the faith and the hope that we have and give a, a verbal testimony be a verbal witness to people that you put in our path. And help us not to miss those opportunities, Father, because you have other people, other stones yet that could cry out in your name instead. But as much as the people of that day were maybe looking for a blessing, we would love to have the blessing of being able to lift up your name and, and lead someone to the King of kings and Lord of lords and let them see what the salvation is that we enjoy. So Holy Spirit, take these words again that we have heard, knit them into our hearts and our minds, and motivate us to um, use these words and the encouragement from them to, to be a witness in this world today. Father, thank you for using us. Thank you for visiting with us here, being with us and strengthening us in this time. And may we continue to sing your praises through every stage of life. We lift up your holy name. Amen.